Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know that we've been talking about commitment to service. And we've been talking about commitment to service to God and commitment to service to one another in the local church. And I've given you four points or a four-point outline concerning those commitments. Number one, we talked about we're to be committed to practice the one another's in the local church. And then number two, we are to be committed to use our spiritual gifts in the local church. And then thirdly, we are to be committed to submit to the Lord and to leadership in the local church. And then number four, finally, we'll talk about today, we're to be committed to the mission of the local church. Committed to practice the one another's. Committed to use our spiritual gifts. Committed to submit to the Lord and leadership. Committed to the mission of the local church. If you've missed any of these teachings, I encourage you to pick up a CD copy. We have covered point number one, two, and three. This morning, we come to our final fourth point, committed to the mission of the local church. Matthew chapter 28, saints, we pick up in verse 16. If you're looking at verse 16, say amen. Then the 11 disciples went away and with Jesus, away with Jesus into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him in verse 17, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Saints, come on, read verse 19 and 20 with me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So. Let me give it to you one last time, as I have given you this definition of what it it means to be committed to the local church. I've given it to you uh, three times now. I'll give it to you one last, fourth, final time. What does it mean to be committed to the local church? It means that a person plants themselves in a local church with the heart and the idea of giving themselves to serve the people of that church and to partner with the church. For the purpose of seeing God's people edified and God glorified. Let me read that again. What does it mean to be committed to a local church? It means that person plants themselves in a local church with the heart and the idea of giving themselves to serve the people of that church and to partner with the church for the purpose of seeing God's people edified and God 
glorified. We pointed out last week that the church, the, the ecclesia, the church, uh, is not the Methodist church. And it is not the Baptist church. It's not the Presbyterian church. It's not the Jew, Gentile, black or white church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus, got your pen, is the founder and the foundation of the church. The church is never a place, but it's made up of people. The church is never a building, but always a believing assembly. The church is made up of all those who are redeemed, all those who have been born again, all true believers in Jesus. The church should be the visible representation on earth of the eternal church in heaven. The church belongs to Christ. And Christ has established order and structure in the church. We've talked about that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. It's God who ordains pastors and shepherds in the church. And their role, as well as all believers, is to make disciples by baptizing them to do what Jesus has said. And Jesus said that he would be with us always. I want you to look again at verse 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, saint, is a mission and a mandate from Jesus to every minister, pastor, teacher, actually to everyone. Jesus said go, literally means as you are going. Go to all nations, go to all people groups, go to all persons and make disciples. The word disciple means to develop learners. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who sits soaking up the word. A disciple is one who desires to conform his life to the word of God. To make disciples means to help unbelievers become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Go make disciples. Notice this verse, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, is commonly known As the Great Commission, the Great Commission. Uh, Many have stated, and I agree, it's the Great Omission. um, Because certainly we are failing to go and make disciples. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But we're failing to go and to make disciples. But this text is known as the Great Commission. And there are two aspects of the Great Commission that I want to point out. Jesus said, go, and as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things. Notice it doesn't say, go bring people to church. Amen. It doesn't say, wait for disciples to come to church. It says we are to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Two aspects of the Great Commission, baptizing and teaching. Notice baptizing in Jesus' name. Notice the Bible says baptizing them in the name 
of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, it struck me yesterday. I'd never seen this before. It says, the scriptures say, that we are to baptize them in the name, notice singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You notice it doesn't say in the names. Are y'all with me today? It says in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That speaks to the Trinity. That speaks to the triunity, the oneness of God. Notice in the name, not in the names of the Father and Son, but in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there are people who believe that you are to be baptized in Jesus' name only. Uh, have you ever heard of that? Have you heard people? Have you ever, raise your hand. Have you ever heard that before? Okay. That's a few of y'all. Okay. Some people believe that you should be baptized in Jesus' name only. I remember some years ago, you know, we baptize. We have our fellowship and our baptisms at uh, Pullen Park uh, off Western in Raleigh. And I remember uh, this one sister, I will never forget. She comes out in the water and she takes me by the hand. You know, I usually pray with people when I'm out there. For those of you who have been before, you know, I pray with them uh, before we actually baptize. And uh, so she takes me by the hand. And I'm standing in the water, and she looks at me, and she says, Pastor Rodney, she says, you baptize in Jesus' name only, right? I said, sure, yeah, absolutely. She goes, Jesus' name only, right? I said, yeah, sure, no, no problem, right? She goes, okay, okay, good, good, good. So I usually ask them if they want to hold their nose or cross their arms, and she held her nose and, you know, went down and held her, and I took her down, held my hand over her nose, I took her in the water, I put her in the water, I said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, and put her under the water, and said, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, and brought her up, and she came up, yes, yes, Jesus' name only, yes, I said, yes, Jesus, I went, yes, Jesus, amen, amen. She never heard me say Father and the Holy Spirit. All she heard was Jesus. But it doesn't matter. It really, really, it, 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 it's not important. The reality is, and what is important, saints, is that we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that we do follow the command of being baptized. That is what is important. Jesus said baptizing. Notice the two aspects of the Great Commission we're talking about. Number one, baptizing, and number two, teaching. Once a person is saved, then begins the lifelong process of growing. And when you become a Christian and you become saved, you're like a newborn baby and you need to grow. And that lifelong process is growing and getting involved and being taught and learning. You've heard me say teachers, teaching is for believers and evangelism is for unbelievers. Once you become a Christian, then you have to grow. I remember when I first became a Christian, I think it was maybe three to five years, I was in a church and, you know, we went to church each Sunday and there would be a message and uh, it was a Pentecostal church. And um, I can remember um, we went to church and I enjoyed church and we had a good time in church, but I can't tell you I grew a lot because it really wasn't a teaching church. So it was more of a preaching church. And um, I remember feeling 
what now? Uh, now that I'm a Christian, what now? I remember thinking, I remember thinking this. If this is all there is to Christianity, and what I mean by that is going to church on Sunday, dancing in the spirit, enjoy the church, you know, shout, enjoy the church, shout, jump around, dance in the spirit, amen, go home. If that's all there is to Christianity, I, didn't, I, I remember thinking, I don't know how long I can actually do that. But then when I went to a church about three to five years later, I went to a church, a Calvary chapel that was teaching the word of God. And the pastor, I'll never forget, was just a normal guy, which was shocking to me because my background was the pastor had a robe and, you know, had the big chair in the church. You know what I mean? And that was my background, the big chair. I mean, nobody sits in the big chair, you know. I did a funeral. I did a, yeah, I did a funeral one time in a church that had a big chair and the, the guest speaker needed to sit in the big chair. And I sat in the big chair. And um, I remember feeling like my feet were like swinging on the big, I just remember the big chair feeling really, really big. And um, that's the background I came from. And so I thought to myself, if, if, if there's not more to this, then, 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 then I, I, I can't do this. So I go to a church where the pastor is teaching the word of God and the worship is much like here, maybe even a little less. They, I don't think they had drums or whatever. But I heard the first time I ever heard the word of God taught, I cried. I cried. I remember crying. I remember Elvira looking over at me going, you crying? I said, no. There's something in my eye, that's all. But I couldn't believe it because... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe that the average guy could understand the word. The average Joe could understand the word. The pastor looked like the average Joe. He had on like some dockers and a plaid t-shirt and some shoes or whatever. And he's standing up there, let's say here, at a pulpit of wood, just teaching the word of God. Teaching the book of Revelation. I will never forget it. And it changed my life because I looked at that, that pastor and I thought, if he can learn the word of God, if he can teach the word of God, and he can understand the word of God, then anybody can understand the word of God. Because he didn't have any pretension. He didn't have a long flowing robe, not the big church and all, the big, big chair and all that. It was just simply teaching the word simply. And it changed my life from that point forward. And I learned that evangelism is for the saved. Teaching is for uh, evangelism is for the lost, pardon me, and teaching is for the saved. Once you become a Christian, now it's time to grow. And that's why you can go to churches and they have an altar call every single week. And what happens is they're evangelizing the evangelized. So they stand in the pulpit and they say, Well, is there one? Is there one? They give an altar call. Is there one? Is there one? And nobody, everybody's just sitting there because they all have given their lives to Christ. They were one at some point, but now they need to grow in the word. We need to grow up. We need to get strong in the word. Once you're saved, you need to study and learn to be, and be taught and grow as a Christian. You know, you've heard me say this before, that much of the so-called church is in a state of spiritual arrested development. It's sad but true. The church as a whole is underdeveloped. And the reason it's underdeveloped is because the pulpits of America are not making disciples and then teaching them to observe all things. Much of the church 
It's not teaching the Bible. And it is interesting, isn't it, that in our country we have more Bibles, more Christian television, uh, DVDs, uh, books and series and all kinds of stuff to strengthen you and cause you to grow and, and, and undergird your, your knowledge of the Lord and pin up your knowledge of the Lord. And yet it seems that Christians are weaker and more unbiblical than ever. And then when you, you, and, and then you go to other countries where they don't have this plethora of material of teaching and, and Bibles and books and everybody's got a Christian book and Christian counseling and, and DVD series and everything. You go to countries like Africa. We went to Africa in, I think it was 2012. Was it 2012? Went to Kenya. And the guy who they assigned, I was there to, to, to do a, a pastor's conference. And the guy that they assigned to pick me up from church, to pick me up from the hotel and take me to the, to the conference, uh, he was an average guy. We were in the car together like 45 minutes one way, 45 minutes the other way. That guy knew more about the Bible than I did. He was stronger in the Lord. He was strong in the Lord. He was deep in the Lord, spiritually um, uh, um, grounded in the Lord. Uh, you go to many countries, countries like India, where I've been there, where, where Christians are, are, are grounded in the Lord and they love the Lord. And yet they don't have all of these things that we have to grow in our faith. Something is missing. Something is missing. I think the commitment aspect is missing in our churches today, as well as the scriptures not being taught to believers in our churches. So we're talking about being committed to the mission of the local church. The word mission, what I mean, let me tell you what I mean by the word mission. I mean assignment. I mean duty, charge, purpose, the reason for our existence. The mission of Calvary Chapel Cary, listen, is teaching others to observe all things that Jesus has taught us. The mission for our church is simply teaching the Bible. That's what we do. You know, for years, I've told you, we didn't have a mission statement. Um, I'm not really big on mission statements, to tell you the truth, largely because our mission is to teach the word of God. That's what we're going to do. We're going to teach this book. That's the mission. It's not that complicated. I didn't think I really needed to write it down, so I never did. But then yesterday, as I'm doing this study, I decided to write a mission statement. Amen. So I wrote a mission statement out, and I sent it to uh, somebody to proofread it so we could put it online. And largely, not because for you or those who attend the church, I, I, I thought, well, let me just go ahead and make it clear that what we do here at Calvary Chapel is teach the word of God because you put it online for people to read. People who go to your website want to know what your church is about, what it is you do. So I actually wrote a vision and mission statement for people 
for the world when they go to our website. But certainly for us, it's very clear what we do here is we teach the word of God. We don't, um, you know, I hear people say, Pastor Rodney, they've got this program. We ought to do, do, get involved in this program, get involved in that program. I'm sure all of those things are wonderful. I'm sure they're great. But what we do here at Calvary Chapel is we teach verse by verse the scriptures. That's what we do. That is our lane. That's where we run. And that's where we stay. And any individual or any church that would seek to fulfill the great commission in reaching the world must be committed to teaching the word of God. The primary role of the pastor and the shepherd is to feed God's people. Jesus cares for his people and Jesus cares for his sheep and he cares that they are healthy. Are you listening? In other words, he wants you to be healthy. He, and in order for you to be healthy, you have to eat. And in order for you to, in order for you to be healthy and you eat, you got to be sure that you eat the right thing. God wants us to be eating or being fed on his word. Lambs need milk. They need to be fed. And God's people, God's sheep, need to be fed. And we need milk first. I think of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the, the pure milk or the sincere milk. That word sincere means without wax. Well, pure, same thing, pure milk of the word of God that you might grow. We need the word of God. Now, you might remember, let's go to John 21. Don't turn there, but listen, it's post-resurrection. And the disciples are eating breakfast on the Sea of Galilee around coals of fire. And Jesus asked Peter, you remember, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said it three times. Jesus said, Peter, the first time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than thee? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, then feed my lamb. Jesus said, do you love me more than these? The these that Jesus is talking about, I believe, are these fish. Because fishing was Peter's livelihood. Was Peter's way of making money and taking care of his family and paying his bills. And Jesus is essentially asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than, than making money? Do you love me more than, 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 than your livelihood? Do you love me more than these? Probably pointing to the fish, but Peter was a fisherman. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He's, Jesus said, feed my lambs. The second time Jesus asked Simon, son of Barjona, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. The third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved, annoyed. And he said, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, why did Jesus ask Peter three times? Well, we really don't know. Scholars believe, many scholars believe, because Peter denied the Lord three times, that God is giving Peter the opportunity to make this affirmation for, of his love for Jesus three times. But we don't know. But what we do know is post or Peter lost his commission when he denied the Lord. He was warming his hands around coals of the enemy's fire but it was there on the beach during breakfast on the Galilee that Jesus picked Peter up and he dusted him off and he reinstated him and recommissioned Peter and said Peter if you love me then feed my sheep Jesus said feed my sheep in other words these are God's sheep God's people are God's sheep not the pastor's sheep 
not our sheep. We are pastors. We are caretakers of the sheep that belong to the master. We're under the shepherd, and Jesus is the good shepherd. And we as under shepherds should emulate what the good shepherd does for the sheep. What's that? Feed them the word. Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my people the word of God. Don't feed them your opinion. Don't feed them spiritual fast food. Don't feed them pie in the sky blessings that are going to come down and fall on them. Feed them the word of God. God wants his pastors teaching his people. You know, I think of the nation of Israel during Jeremiah's time. And the nation had turned away from the Lord and the pastors and the leaders and the people and ministry had fallen away. And God says in Jeremiah 3.15, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 23.3-4. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Ezekiel 34 deals with God putting shepherds over his people to feed them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.